Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to warn you that this episode contains conversation about sensitive topics, including depression and suicidal thoughts. If you feel uncomfortable with these subjects, please stop listening now and pick a different episode. And if you'd like to talk to anyone, the Samaritans run a confidential 24-hour helpline, which you can call for free in the UK on 116123, or visit samaritans.org for other ways to find support. Welcome to Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Today's guest is actually someone that I met about three years ago, and I have such clear memories of us meeting um, because straight away, it was in a crowded room, but straight away, within the first few minutes, uh, she spoke to me about her second son who was born with Down syndrome. And, and that was a surprise diagnosis. And I can just remember so clearly the conversation because of the passion and the desire in which she wanted to share her story. And I just think she's absolutely wonderful and I cannot wait for today's chat. So today's guest is Harps Core. Hello. Hi, G. Thank you so much Can you much remember that. that first meeting? Do you know that first meeting um, was actually the first time since having Sergeant that I actually went out by myself to an event like that. And I was really? terrified, yeah. I was so nervous. Um, I felt so 
I can't quite put it into words, but it was just a bit of a kind of, you know, do I still fit in because I've yeah. now got a child with Down syndrome? It was a really strange place. And yes, I very clearly remember it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it, it was so nice to meet you. And I think ever since, um, you know, I've followed you for a while now and just your kind of love and commitment to helping to raise awareness with the Down syndrome community and other other causes as well has has always been second to none. You've always been so supportive and genuinely interested in learning. So thank you. Ah, oh, thank you. Let's talk about you uh, rather than me. <laughs> where uh, where did you grow up? So I was born and raised um, in Southall. It's predominantly a South Asian community. I had a great childhood, you know, in the comfort of my mum and dad's home. It was just like when I think back to my childhood, it was warm and fuzzy and just comfortable. And it just felt safe. Yeah. It just felt safe. Yeah, it was it was a nice. My mum and dad have always been very supportive and encouraging of us. We're three sisters. Um so my sisters, Harv and Goof, they are literally my pillars of support. I literally, they're twins as well, aren't they? Yeah, they're twins. It just felt very safe. I think that's the word I'd use to, to describe my upbringing. So you had this lovely family upbringing. And did you ever look forward to your family? Did you always know that you wanted to be a mum and that that was going to be a part of your life? Yeah, I definitely... I think I had a very simplistic view of the future. Um, it was very much like... I'm going to get married around 22 and I'm going to have three children by the age of 25. <laughs> it was very like, um, it was very simple. It was, it was kind of like a fairy tale. It was, it was all going to be very straightforward and it was going to be great. And, and that's what was going to happen. And um, I didn't get married till 26. Um, you so delayed that. That, that yeah, was massive, massively <laughs> delayed my, my life plan and my fairy tale ending. But um, he was definitely my kind of Prince Charming. And yeah, yeah, we he, he was definitely more on it for children than I was by the time we really? got married. He was just like, I want a baby. I want a baby. And I was like, just chill. Like, you know, I'm, I'm good with just being me for a bit and being us. And he was like, no, let's just do it. Like, let's just have kids. And I was just like, mm, I don't know. It's so um, funny, isn't it, how growing yeah. up that you get those figures in your head and they become, like, you become fixated on them. And then actually once you're near them, you're a bit like, you're either one of two ways, kind of like, what was I thinking? Or <laughs> I'm really late on my plan and I should have three kids by now. Yeah. And it was, yeah, and it was, like, I do want kids, but I, like, I'm at that stage in life where I'd planned all of this when I was younger, but actually, am I ready? Am I ready <laughs> to give up, you know, just doing my own thing? Um and then, yeah, we two years later, we 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 started trying and literally in the first month we fell pregnant with Arj. And was that pregnancy straightforward? I'm one of those people that doesn't do anything straightforward. So <laughs> I've got um, I've got high blood pressure. So I've, I've got hypertension from before, from when I was quite young. And that meant that I was classed as high risk in pregnancy. Mm because of, you know, developing preeclampsia. So I was monitored very closely. Um, I was consultant-led care. And it was relatively, I'd say, straightforward. I mean, I was in hospital twice a week to be monitored. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it was, there was nothing that came of those stays, if you know what I mean. I think I had yeah. to stay in hospital once. And I remember when I went in for my induction, um, 
I was so excited. You know, my sisters laugh at me. They were like, it was so comical. You went in as if you were going on holiday, you know, <laughs> had my bag packed. I was really excited. I was like, this is going to be great. <laughs> and yeah, you know, after about the third day of being there, I was like, what is, why is this just not happening? Like, why is this baby not coming out of me? And in the end, I needed an emergency C-section. Right. And so I were you a, overdue when you went in to be induced? Um, or was that because I, of your blood pressure that they thought yeah, you had to get things moving? Yeah. So I was, uh, um, I think he was born at 39 plus six in the end. So I was oh, in okay. hospital for about six days. But yeah, because I'd been nil by mouth for over 24 hours, just in case I had the section, I was really unwell when he was born. So literally yeah. they were like, congratulations, you know, you've had a boy. And they put him on me. And I just remember saying to them, get him off me. And I just turned and I was, really sick and then I passed out yeah so bless him I think it was quite traumatic for Buitham but I didn't come round till about five hours later really yeah and I think that probably wasn't the greatest start for you know for my journey into motherhood it was it wasn't what I'd expected um when I woke up I just saw Buitham you know cooing over this you know his precious little boy and he, he had tears streaming down his face and he was just so happy and I was just like like this person just feels like a bit of a stranger to me like why don't I feel a connection and then I think I had it in my head it was because of those five hours right you know you missed out on the skin to skin you missed out on his first feed he 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 had to be bottle fed at that time I felt disconnected I didn't feel how I'd imagined I was going to feel but also, Harps, I mean, being kind on yourself, you just had a C-section. Yeah. Now, that's major surgery, and that would prevent you from doing lots of things, like even simply just being able to get up swiftly and, yeah. and, and actually care, care for him. So yeah. I think actually, you know, I think so often C-sections get given this bad rep, but actually the people who go through that, it's not a walk in the park no. by any means. That's major no. abdominal surgery. And the recovery of it, of it is, is really hard as a new mum to be having to navigate your way through what your baby needs and what you're actually able to provide. Even simply as like picking them up. Everything yeah. needs to be thought through and assessed and what's safe for you, what's safe for them. So I feel like, so, well, I, and actually, do you know what? Even if, if, if the, a baby comes out um, the other way, I say that way or the other way, um, <laughs> I think, you know, if you've got stitches, I think there is that thing when physically you're not able to just do and you have, and things catch you off guard. I think that's really difficult because you just it think as hard. a mum, you just put your baby first and that's that. But then yeah. when all these other things are going on, you know, it's not as straightforward as we, as we no. assume it's going to be going into it. It's really not. And I think the whole, you know, C-sections, you know, often you'll hear people say, oh, it's the easy way out. Oh, I'm just going to try and go for a C-section. Yeah. I'm too posh to push and all the rest of it. I got that one. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't easy. It was, it was, it was hard, you know, the recovery. And I think because I was so exhausted from what happened with me was I was contracting, but I wasn't dilating. Right. So for, for, for a good three, four days, I was contracting and nothing was happening. And so my body was quite tired. Mm. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful that I had, you know, my sisters, I had with them. My mum was there to kind of nourish me, but, you know, feeding me good food. But when we got home, I just, the guilt mounted. It was this feeling of, 
oh my gosh, everybody's doing everything. And my mum's, you know, coming and she's driving from Southall to here and I feel bad. And it was this constant, you know, I feel bad. You know, Britham was having to physically help me walk. He was having to, you know, help me shower. He was having to help me go to the bathroom. And I just Mm -hmm. felt ugly as well. I just felt awful. I didn't feel like me. And it was just feeding into this really low space. So when the health visitor used to come around, I was quite honest with her. I was terrified that she'd think I was unable to look after my child and that she'd get social services involved and all of that. You know, I was really scared. Because that's literally, that's where your mind goes. Yeah, exactly. You forget that they're on your side. It's the stigma, isn't it? And it's also, I think, especially in our culture. So in the South Asian community, there's this, I think, I mean, I'm stereotyping here, but there's often this competitive nature and wanting to show that I can do this and I can do it on my own. Um, And I think that can sometimes really backfire. And I think it's so common with first babies as well. You know, you want to do it your way. It's your baby and you don't want anybody's help. You just want to do it. You know, you know best and, and you do know best. But I was almost reluctant to accept help from everyone. It was just sort of with them and the twins that I was I was happy to have. But yeah, it was just really different to what I had dreamt up. Did it make you feel comforted at all, knowing that those feelings were ones that had been felt by other people and that, you know, were you told about postnatal depression while you were in it or was it afterwards? So what happened was at about, I think Arj was about five months. um, Mm. I was speaking to my sister Goove and she said, and I said, oh, um, I'm thinking about just writing, like, you know, just writing a blog maybe just for myself, just as an outlet as to how I'm feeling. And she was like, yeah, go for it. And it was actually her that thought of the name Baby Brain Memoirs. (laughs) I remember I wrote, you know, I wrote my first blog post. I think it was about my birth story. And overnight I I received so many messages from, um, you know, especially South Asian girls saying, oh my God, we feel the same way, but we thought it was just us. And it was this real feeling of not sharing it because it was almost considered failure. Yeah, there was real comfort in knowing, oh my gosh, this is actually not as abnormal as I thought it was. I I thought it was just me. I thought there was something wrong with me. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It is. How did you, um, you must have come to a point where you started thinking about having another child how did you feel about that especially having gone through postnatal depression were you worried about it happening again was it a a case of we want to grow our family so let's go for it Uh, we've been through it before we can get through it again yeah how did you navigate it you know they say when you have a baby um the the adrenaline once you've had the baby makes you forget everything that you've been through yeah you know they, they said and that's why people go on to have more babies. I think it was a little bit like that. So I was very mindful of, you know, I've obviously been through P&D. But because I had that in mind, I was like, okay, I I can better equip myself to deal with it because, you know, the likely, there is a higher chance that I'll have it again. We decided when Arj was about one and a half that we Mm -hmm. wanted to have a second because we wanted to give him a sibling. We wanted him to have a best friend, you know, we wanted to grow our family. We've both got two siblings each and we wanted the same for for him. And I think we both assumed, oh, you know, it happened really quickly with Arj and it will be the same with with the second. And it didn't. But anyway, we did fall pregnant nine months later. um, And 
that pregnancy, I think I was scared of the whole, my emotions and how I was feeling and just what could happen to me mentally. So this time I wasn't actually worried about the baby because I'd had a baby that was, you know, fit and well. And, and at the same time, there were really nice things happening in my life. So I'd won an award for the blog. Um, you know, we were, we had our first radio interview and things like that. Mm -hmm. So there were really nice things happening. And I was trying to piece together that, you know, this news of a baby, it slots in so well with this kind of happy, you know, all this happiness is coming your way. Um, and the pregnancy, it was, it was, I'd say I felt quite low during the pregnancy right. and I just couldn't snap out of it. But one thing that the doctor did do was straight away assign me to a mental health midwife. So I actually had counselling throughout my pregnancy. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's something that happens to anyone that's been through postnatal depression. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something I'd asked for, but it was something that was offered to me. Um, but of course, no amount of counselling could have prepared me for what was coming my way. Um, because of your uh, blood pressure, were you still being scanned every week? Yes. I wasn't scanned. It wasn't a scan every week, but I was monitored very closely. Right. Throughout my pregnancy, I had over 13 different scans. Um, I had, I think, over six different sonographers. We even went to Harley Street. Um, and when you ask me now, why did you go to Harley Street? I don't actually know the answer. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I did it with both pregnancies, but I don't actually know why. Yeah. Um, what was I looking for? What was I getting reassurance for? What was mm. it? I don't. I don't know. We had loads of scans. I was. Did you have your harmony care. test and everything like that as well? No, nope, I didn't, didn't think to have a harmony test because I didn't feel like it was necessary. Yeah. Um. I, it was quite a new thing at that time. Actually, it was right. quite a. Yeah, it was. And I, they did offer it to me um, when I went to private clinic. And I was like, no, why, why would I want that? Everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what fine meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I cracked on. I, I cracked on. But I think the night before I had sergeants, I had a plan C-section because of what had happened the first time with the failed induction. Yeah. With them and I sat on the floor and I said to him, I said... Um, I think something bad's going to happen tomorrow. And he looked at me and he said, so do I. I can't describe it. There was just this weird feeling. I and mean, we both had it. I went to bed. It was midnight. Went to bed. I was like, yeah, let me have a nice night's sleep and we'll go to the hospital in the morning. And I woke up an hour later. I was contracting. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if this is normal because I've not had it. I've, I've only gone from zero to 100 with, with the yeah. induction. And... Mm -hmm. um, so I phoned the hospital and they were like, look, just come in because because you're booked for a uh, C-section. Let's just just come into triage. So I was like, OK, I've only had an hour's sleep, but <clears throat> let's go. So we went and we got there and two, you know, all the midwives knew me by this time because I was in the hospital so much. And they're so lovely. And two of my favourites, Danielle and Manjit, were there and they said, oh, heart, you know, it was, it was so quiet in triage. And it was all really exciting. They're like, oh, my gosh, you know, let's let's get you connected and let's see how you're doing. And they're like, yep, you know, it's all started. And they were like, what do you want to do? And I said, well, if I am dilated, then I'd quite like to try naturally because there was a part of me that wanted to experience that. Right. And yeah. 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 And then they were like, OK, fine, let's go. On. Let's check you. Let's see how dilated you are. And then we can make a judgment call. Anyway, checked me and they were like, you're 
half a centimeter like it's not happening it's again so it's horrible, not working yeah. yeah and I was just like I can't do this again like I can't yeah. go through that whole thing again they were like right Danielle said I'm putting my scrubs on I'm coming down I'm coming into theater with you and I was like oh my god right. I started writing my um, birth story in the notes in my phone <laughs> How, you know, I was just so excited. I was like, this is working Such out so blogger. well. Yeah. And I was like, you know, God is with me and this is all turning yeah. out amazingly. And Danielle's coming with me and I'm so excited. And da, 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 da. It, was, it was the beginning of a very beautiful ending in my eyes. Yeah. And I got down and there ended up being an emergency C-section and we didn't know how long it was going to be. It ended up being Danielle needed to take her son to a dentist appointment or something like that. So she was like, I've, I've got to go, but don't worry, you'll be fine. I was like, okay, yeah, it'll all be good. I'm good. I'm good. Like, I'm fine. They took Saji out. They handed him. I don't remember what they did with him. I think they held him for a few minutes. Um, and then they gave him to me. And I remember just feeling this overpowering feeling of love and joy and everything that I had imagined that I would feel as a first time mum, I finally felt it now. Yeah. And then I, and then Buitham said, I miss Arj. And I was like, what? Like, I got really annoyed with him. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to see him soon. Like focus on, <laughs> on this baby. Like, you know, we've just had another little boy and, and he was just a bit off. And I just thought, oh, whatever, you know, I'm just going to kind of bask in my own excitement and enjoyment and pleasure. Yeah. And, then we went into the recovery room and they, they took Sergeant away for a little bit. I didn't think anything of it because I didn't know that that wasn't normal because I was knocked out the first time. Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. know what was and what wasn't normal. So they, they not him. tell you why they were taking him, uh, no, taking him out? No, they just right. took him. And right. then they came back and they handed him to me and I put him to my breast and he took to it like a duck to water. And <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, you know, he's properly breastfeeding and I'm doing it. I'm doing all of it. And I remember the two of the midwives looked at each other and they're like, oh, it's really good that he's breastfeeding. And I didn't know why they were saying it at the time. I just thought, oh yeah, you know, look at me, like I'm doing it all. And I was a bit smug. Um, but also and I imagine at that point that that feeling of almost dread the night before that something bad was going to happen. Yes. And then this at relief. this point, everything is, yeah, there's that yeah. relief. It's all going swimmingly. Everything is as going as well as it could be. And it was perfect. And yeah. it, exactly that. I just felt so, I felt amazing. And Breedham was quite quiet. And I couldn't, I was feeling a bit irritated by his kind of offstandish, you know, being quite offstandish. But I was just like, okay. And then he made a comment. He said, oh, he doesn't really look like me and Arj. And I was like, what is that supposed to mean? Like, what? He looks like me. So what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? I got really yeah. defensive because I couldn't understand his behaviour. <laughs> um, this is the guy that was made to be a father. And yeah. Anyway, you know, they took us up to our own private room um, and we were there and we were enjoying our new baby and... At about seven, my sister's bought Arj and, uh, you know, he'd bought this giraffe teddy and he was just <laughs> so besotted by his brother. He was just so in love. And I just thought, Aww. thank you, God, you've given me everything that I ever could have dreamt of. You know, I just felt amazing. And 
Then Arj went out to, to see the grandparents. The grandparents hadn't met Sergeant at this point. You, you're, you're only allowed two people yeah. or whatever, right? So Waitham and my sister went to get me food. And while they were gone, the pediatrician came in and she said, yeah. um, is your husband here? And I said, oh, he's just gone to get food, you know, he's just gone to get food. And she was like, okay, um, I didn't think anything of it. I literally, mm. now in hindsight, I think, what on earth? Were, you know, how could you not have thought something? And she said, oh, could you call him back? So I phoned him and he literally ran back. So everybody else went out, my sisters went out the room and she said, do you notice anything different about your baby? And before I'd even process what she said, he said, he's got Down syndrome. And I just remember the room just spinning, like, what on earth is he saying? Like, what is he talking about? And she just turned around and she said, I'm so sorry. And he just broke down. And I remember I was just like, what is going on? How can you be telling me that? You know, no, this is not right. This is this is not right. There's something horribly wrong here. This is not right. And I remember just rocking back and forth saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Almost trying to convince myself. I couldn't process the words that were coming out. And I thought, how? How can he have Down syndrome? We had a one in a hundred thousand chance. We had over 13 scans. We had six different sonographers. We had tests done at Harley Street. How could this be true? How? And then Pritham called all the family in. And before they'd even got the chance to hold Sergeant or to meet him, he just blurted out he's got Down syndrome. You know, everybody reacted so differently. Um, naturally, his mum seeing the state of him, she literally just broke down. Yeah. And then you had Arj in the middle of it all. And he's just looking at him and he's whispering, Mummy, he's so cute. Mummy, he's so cute. And I just felt so sorry for him because I thought, this is the happiest day of your life. Like... You don't care that he's got Down syndrome. To you, he is your baby brother. But around you, everybody's crying. Like, how confusing must that have been for him? And I just felt all these awful, awful feelings of guilt. You know, I had, at that time, I felt like, you know, I wanted to birth him a best friend, you know, a friend for life. And instead, at that time, you know, and I'm embarrassed to say it now, but I've always been very open and honest. I felt like I'd birthed a burden. I felt like, like, what have I done, you know? And, and I guess that was, that was the start of our nightmare. You know, we gave birth on the 30th of December and it was meant to be the start of an amazing 2017. It was meant to be, you know, the start of an amazing, you know, new journey as a family. And this isn't what my fairy tale was meant to look like, you know, when I was a child and I was imagining my life. Thank you. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And one thing you've said with, uh, with your writing as well is that with your postnatal depression, you were worried about even leaving the house. And and I, I can remember reading you say that you didn't have it in you to be that mum, that mum who had to care for a, doubt, a, a child yeah. with Down syndrome. My, my mind was completely clouded with misconception and misjudgment because actually... But also, to... Harps, you start that journey with a doctor saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then you're told what they can, they, they might not or cannot do. You're not, I, I, you know, having Sally Phillips on as well, the, although she would have gone through it with Ollie a lot, you know, a long, a long time ago, you're already told all these obstacles that you're going to or might fa- be faced with. Yeah. So you don't see, you like, how it must be so hard to just see the baby in front of you. Plus you're grieving, you know, uh, from what I've read of your, like, if you're, like, you grieve for the life that you thought you were going to have, your yeah. fairy tale. Yeah, we were grieving for the baby that we thought we were going to have because that mm. baby was no longer that that wasn't what we'd imagined. And, you know, I just assumed and, and it, it doesn't make me feel good to say this now, but I'm sharing it because if there is somebody out there that's listening, that's just received an unexpected diagnosis of any kind, you know, I, I want to be open and honest with the feelings that I had at that time to show that actually you will move on from it. But I just thought he's going to be a forever baby. I thought, you know, he's not going to understand anything. I assumed he would, you know, not be able to mix in with people. I assumed he wouldn't be loved. I assumed he would never go on holiday again. Um, I I had so many assumptions and I don't know where they came from. A lot of it was the language that was being used. So Mm. saying you're sorry... Um, to somebody that's just received a, you know, Down syndrome diagnosis, what are you sorry for? Yeah. Why are you saying sorry? And it's also the use of the word risk, you know, when delivering a diagnosis. So I'm saying I had a one in 100,000 chance, but obviously the wording used at that time was a one in 100,000 risk that I'd have a baby with Down syndrome. Use the word risk and you associate it with danger. Yeah. You've seen Sergeant, does he look dangerous to you? (laughs) You know, and you think, All of those things fed into that narrative that I had, fed into that really mundane, dreary, sad life that I I just saw in front of me, you know. When we got home, I just, you know, with them shared, I I was really scared with how are we going to tell people that we've got a child with Down? How silly that that was even a thing, but it was a thing. And with them, you know, I didn't even know he knew what my... He helps with the back end stuff with the blog, but I didn't know that he would have any idea on how to get into it. He, he's not really involved in that side. And 
you know, he'd written a blog post and he posted it. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night from a nap and was I had loads of messages from friends and family saying, like, you know, a mixture of messages, if I'm completely yeah. honest. Some are, I'm sorry. Some are, congratulations. Some are, we can't wait to see you guys. Some are, you know, we don't know what the right thing to say is, but we're here. And I was like, how does everybody know? Like, what's happened? Like, how has this come out? And my sister was staying with me that night and she said, check your blog. And I checked it and I cried and I cried and I cried because I knew Breedham has always been our Superman. That's what I call him. He's my yeah. Superman. He can just fix everything and anything. And he's our fixer. And, you know, perhaps he felt that pressure in that moment that he couldn't fix this. There was nothing he could do. You know, he was probably feeling the same as me, confused on seeing this, you know, this helpless little baby lying in an incubator. He, Sergeant hadn't done anything. He'd yeah. done nothing. And, you know, you're feeling all these negative emotions and you're thinking, my goodness, look at you. You're just a baby. Like, mm. you've done nothing to, des to deserve these feelings that we're feeling. See, it was a real confusing time. I'm actually gonna because when I started reading this blog, first of all, I didn't realize it was from Preetham. And um, so it was only when he said my wife is asleep next to me, I thought, OK, uh, but I'm just going to read a little bit of this. I'm adamant my son's additional chromosome was indirectly my fault. I didn't intentionally cause it to happen, but felt my actions or thought process had led God or the universe to balance my books. I felt it was a way for him to punish my wrongdoing by punishing my child. I've kept questioning why this has happened. Is it because of the way I am? Is it the things I've done that have caused this to happen to my son? Is God punishing me or us? Why is he paying the price? And I just thought, I read that and I, I, I messaged you about it because that was the first blog, obviously, that I, I read about Sergeant and with it being from Preetham as well, just that feeling of, what have I done that's causing him to... And at that point, you don't know what the situation no. is. Is he in pain? No. Is he suffering? You know, you have done amazing work, Harps, to change the narrative and to change the way that people look at this. But in that initial thing, which is what you're so beautifully talking about as well, and so openly and, and, and honestly and rawly, um, but in the, those initial days and hours... You know, you don't know what to think. I mean, how did it feel, see, like reading Preetham's words and knowing that actually maybe the reason that he was quiet in the hospital because it, he was looking inward and kind of going, this is my fault? I remember going downstairs after reading that to see Sergeant because I was, I was upstairs in my room. And when I went downstairs, he was in, he was with Sergeant. It was about 11.30 at night and he was just sitting next to him. I didn't even know he was at the hospital and I just watched him watching his son. And I just thought, once we have come out of this, he's going to be incredible. He's going to be mm. amazing. But it, it was just, it was going to take time. You know, you can't get from a place of, you know, despair to a place of peace without riding the ugly and raw emotions in between. Yeah. You've got to go through every single one of them. I wish we could have just jumped from there to there, but we couldn't. We had to go through so much to get to a place of peace. What were those days and weeks like? Oh, gosh. It was dark, G. It was really dark. There's... I had some really awful thoughts. Really, really awful, awful, dark, dark thoughts. Um, 
I just wanted it to go away. I wanted I wanted to go back to life before we had Sergeant. But I knew that we could never do that. And I knew that actually this life was something that Arj wanted. He wanted, he wanted this brother. This was what yeah. he wanted. Um, I remember saying to Pritham, you know, should we give him up for adoption? And he just looked at me in complete disgust. He couldn't believe what I'd just asked. And I think I knew that that wouldn't solve anything either, right? Like it, you can't just hand over your baby to somebody else and then crack on with life. Yeah. Um, and I guess I never would have been able to follow through with that anyway. You know, I, I had, I wanted to just, I didn't want this to be my life and I wanted it over. I didn't want to be here anymore. It was Arj that stopped me from doing anything really bad. Um, I think he was my strength and he didn't even know it. Watching him love his brother unconditionally was just beautiful. I used to look into Sarjan's eyes and I used to think, you've done nothing. And how can I feel like this about you, you know? And because because children with Down syndrome develop a little bit later, you know, the smiles came a bit later, the personality came a bit later, which made it even harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so it was kind of prolonged. And Breatham grieved very differently to me. He became very introverted. You know, 24-7, we had the secret playing just to pump us with some yeah. positive something. Um, our parents were, were, were here. You know, my mum and dad, they handed out sweets to everyone the same way they did with Arj. You know, they <laughs> are amazing. They were like, so what if he's got Down syndrome, you know? Um, my dad's quite religious and we've actually done a kid's storybook on Guru Nanak Dev Ji, which is a first seat guru. And, you know, my dad always used to say to me that, you know, what was Guru Nanak Dev Ji's first teaching? And I'm like, that we're all equal. We're all God's children, you know, regardless of race, colour, ability, gender, we're all God's children. And he's like, exactly. And Sergeant is God's child. And he is worthy of being here just like you and I. And that really stuck with me. That really helped me as well. But yeah, there was also a friend called Dina. She's my, she's Breatham's good friend's wife. Right. She met Sergeant for the first time and I don't know what it was, but they had some instant connection. And that girl from about the age of six months for about a year came to my house every single day. And she did physio with him. She showered him with love. She did some of the things that I didn't feel that I could do. And I can never repay the people that have, you know, walked this journey with us. Like, I'm so grateful for the network and the support that we've got. But it was, was part dark. of your worry about how Sergeant would be accepted walking through life. And, and, if, and if so... Was the acceptance and that showering of love from the people around you, was was that part of you kind of just seeing that happen? Was that a comfort in some way? Even if you were kind of questioning, what are you doing? You know, how can you do that? In some way, that is that is what you fear. So seeing actually the opposite happen, is that a comfort? A hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head. That's what I was looking for. I... I, I I still gauge people's reactions to Sarjan and it's still, you know, rightly or wrongly, it still influences a part of my acceptance journey. I, I scan for people's reactions. I, I, 
whether it's going to, you know, um, I don't know, a soft play center or, you know, on holiday, wherever you are, right? And you see, and you say, oh yeah, you know, my son's got Down syndrome. And, you know, some people might be like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Or some people might be like, oh, okay, like, that's cool, like, whatever. And it's the, yeah, cool, whatever's that actually make me feel, okay, this is, this is fine. Like, this is good, yeah. you know? Um, and even when we first had him and the messages we were getting, there was a real mix of, you know, I'm sorry. This, the, the I'm sorry's weren't as, as, as bad as I thought they'd be, to be fair. Right. There weren't as many. But the messages, I remember one of my friends, Siki, she messaged me. She was like, congratulations, Harps, I can't wait to meet the little man. And I replied and I said, you know, he's got Down syndrome. And she said, yeah, like, so what? And I was like, oh, but you haven't mentioned it. But then for her, she's like, well, why do I need to mention it? Yeah, so it's a real... that's a fact. It doesn't need to be brought, brought no, up. No, like, it's, it, yeah, it's it's just a part of him. And it was just really interesting. It's it's really funny how my mind works. And it's very different to breathe them. Breathe really? them is mad about his son now. Like, my gosh, when I tell Sergeant off, I get an earful from Breatham. <laughs> he is just like his golden boy. He is his sidekick. He is his absolute everything. But even with that, you know, we when he was born, we thought, okay, he's got no health complications. So that's our silver lining, right? Okay, yes, he's got Down syndrome, but he doesn't have any of the health conditions associated with having Down syndrome. And I remember we were planning our first trip to Punta Cana and I was like, right, you know, Sergeant was four months. I was like, this is going to be a fresh start. We're going to just go and connect as a family and it's going to be great. And it's it's going to be the start of the rest of our lives. And I remember we'd just been, for, I'd just been for counselling. them had driven me to Aylesbury and we had a routine appointment for Sergeant's heart to be checked. And I remember... Bushy tailed saying, oh, yeah, you know, when we get home, I'm going to take the suitcases down. I'm going to do this, 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 this. You know, the, the appointment wasn't even on my route. I was like, it's fine. He yeah. was fine when he was born. Oh, my goodness. We got there and we put Sergeant down on the bed and the consultant put the probe on his heart. And again, white as a sheet. And he said, why has it taken so long for this baby to be here? Why am I only seeing him now? And I was just like, what the hell's going, what is he talking about? And he said, he's got an AVSD, he needs open heart surgery. That was when I felt like my life was doomed, like everything that was going to happen was just, it was like I started holding my breath for what next, what next? Yeah. I literally zoned out. If you ask me the details about his heart defect now, I don't know them because I literally felt like I was going to faint the room just I couldn't hear it was just a buzzing sound that I could hear I couldn't actually hear what was going on we them asked all the questions you know we said I said can we still go on holiday I know it's ridiculous he needed open heart surgery but for me yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. this is meant to be our future you know and he said no he cannot get on an airplane he won't make it he won't survive oh my and he god said, imagine if you'd have like if that appointment hadn't have been then and actually, we had had an appointment a month before. And when we turned up for it, they'd said, oh, we're really sorry, the doctor's on holiday. Oh. So we'd already missed it. So imagine it yeah. was this one that that had happened at. And yeah. um, he was like, he needs it imminently, like, you know, ASAP. And yeah, that was a whole nother journey. But do you know what? I never imagined we'd be able to go through that and still be standing. 
I can't describe what it feels like to hand your child over to a surgeon and this sweet little boy is just looking at you and smiling and cooing. And that's and... the thing, Harps, with all those photos that you've taken, because you've documented it as well. Yeah. All those photos, Sergeant is smiling throughout, like to see this boy who looks so healthy and happy and actually realise, well, actually, if he doesn't have this, he's going to be really sick, you know? Yeah. So as a mum, it must be really hard knowing you've got to do this. This is, this is going to keep him alive. This is, this is what he needs. Um, yeah. And I, I, I can't imagine what it must've been like in those moments of them, you know, putting him under and then you having to, to, to yeah, leave. It was, it was really hard because I'd look at him and I think you don't even know what's about to happen to you you're going and you're smiling and I don't know if you're going to come out alive because there's a chance that you won't and there were babies around us that didn't make it and I remember he went and they said to us they said you know children with Down syndrome often fight the anesthetic and I was like here we go you know the stereotypes are coming out and so I just thought okay he's gonna fight the anesthetic because that's what children with down syndrome do and he didn't he just lay there and he smiled and they put the mask on and he just he just went to sleep and I think because he went to sleep so peacefully it was that feeling of you know, the world might have this perception of what Down syndrome is, but he's sergeant. He's just sergeant, you know? And and even if he did fight it, I'm not saying that that would make him any less worthy, but it was at that moment, it was that open heart surgery that changed everything for us. He was, you know, you, you think about when an adult goes through an, uh, a heart bypass. How scared are we when that happens? Mm. Imagine a baby, his heart is the size of a walnut. You know, it was tiny. And um, I just remember, you know, we had to keep it very balanced for Arjun's sake. You know, we tried to make it like a little holiday for him. So my sisters were with us. You know, they were taking him to London Zoo, to the museum, you know, and all sorts. And I remember when we got the phone call and... You know, I was like, why are they not calling us? Something's happened. You know, he's it was only meant to be five hours. And um, I remember praying to God. I just said, please, God, I have had some really ugly thoughts about, you know, about Sergeant when he was born. And please don't let anything happen to him because I love him and I want to be his mum. And I'm going to give it my best shot. And and I remember when we did finally go go back and, you know, after seven hours, we got the call and we went and, oh, it was hard. He was in there, I think, for seven days in total. And it was just, you know, he caught this, this oh, I don't know if it's an infection. Of, it was some sort of an infection. And I turned to Dr. Google and it told me that he was likely to die. And it was just so traumatic. But through that, that deep sorrow came something so beautiful it came acceptance came gratitude it was just it was a pivotal point in our journey when we brought him home from open heart surgery compared to when we brought him home from the hospital it was completely different 
we had to go through that to get to where we are now. So I, as much as I wish he didn't have to endure that pain, mm. it was just the way it was meant to be. I'm scared, you know, they've, they've already told us he might need another one when he's older. But I try so hard not to let that fear overshadow, you know, the here and now. Yeah. And it, 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 he's just he's just brought us so close together. I never, ever could have imagined, you know, the day that he was born that I'd ever feel this way about him. I never thought that I'd be, you know, when he was born, there were so many mums on social media that reached out to us to, to support me and to, to hold my hand and say, we promise you, you're going to be okay. And now to think we are that family too. Yeah. And to think, you know, I've had messages where mums have said, we've just found out that we've got a high chance of our baby having Down syndrome, but we're not scared anymore. We're not scared. And to think... And that's you know, the thing, that... isn't it? With those harmony tests and things like that, it's that thing you, you were saying earlier, like, what, what are we looking for? And is it that kind of knowing what you're walking into with your eyes open? Is Because what would you change? And actually, one thing that the Down syndrome community have, with all the awareness is like, actually, we wouldn't change anything because there's so much beauty to be found in something that is so wrongly feared. And I don't know why it's so feared. I mean, you know, like I mentioned, I thought he'd, um, you know, he'd be rejected by the family. He is the glue to the family. <laughs> he literally walks into a room and everybody's sergeant, 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 you know, and he's so, he's just got this zest for life. He's just very in the moment. He teaches yeah. me that. He does not care what on earth is going on around him, which I wish I could do more of. Um, him and Arj, their bond is just, I pray to God it always stays this way. You know, Arj, I worry about Arj because some of the thoughts he has are quite deep for a little boy right. um, around his brother. You know, um, the other day at school, the fire alarm went off and Arj came home and he was really agitated. And I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, come on, you know, what's wrong? And then he told me later on, he said, mummy, the fire alarm went off at school and I was really scared that sergeant wouldn't get out. And I just mm. thought, my gosh, that's such a, like a deep thought for, for somebody that's quite little, you know, he'll think about sergeant in everything that he does because he knows sergeant needs a little bit of extra help. Um, but their bond is beautiful. They fight like typical siblings as well, <laughs> but they're just, they're just amazing together. And I think you know, he, Sergeant continues to change those around him. So I mentioned Dina, you know, she is just so embracing. It's changed their perception. My sister, Harv, she's completely changed um, her career path. So she's now working with children with additional needs. Um, yeah. So she's supporting them. Yeah. And she is everything that I could wish for in a TA for Sergeant is yeah. in my sister. She's incredible. And she never, she probably wouldn't have done that if it wasn't because of Sergeant, you know? Yeah. I thought that we'd never go on holiday again. We've done over 12 countries with Sergeant, including <laughs> the Masai Mara. Not going to lie, I was a bit scared that we wouldn't make it out alive. <laughs> but he was amazing. He, he wasn't phased by, you know, lions coming up close. Yeah. And he was incredible. I'm excited at what the future holds for him. I'm really excited. Does he excited. start school in September? He starts school in September. <laughs> um and they've already said, you know, norm, um, he, he's been having special time, which is like, you know, 
children with additional needs sometimes get taken out separately to just do a little bit of extra um, focused work. And they said to us, they said, he doesn't need it anymore. He, he's fine. You know, he'll have his TA, his one to one who will help him. He's so eager to learn. He is such a good student in that sense. He always wants to learn. Oh my gosh, Harps. I just remembered a video that I saw of him with your dog. Yeah. Getting him to lie down, like through sign language. Yeah. He was like, wow. Yeah, he made his own little sign up. (laughs) Yeah. That's so incredible. And it's that thing, isn't it? That's, that's communicate. He's communicating. Yeah. He's absolutely getting his point across. And I think you're told all these things that... You know, you were told that you couldn't do these things, but actually he's he's surpassing that on so many levels. Life isn't about what cards you're dealt with. It's about the the way in which you choose to view those cards. I could sit here and wallow in self-pity for the rest of my life and just think, oh my gosh, you know, I've got a disabled son and my life is over. No, it's not. My life is not over. I've got my big hair back. I've got my makeup on. (laughs) We are living an incredible life. Do I worry about the future? Yeah, of course I do. Um, Do I think he's got an incredible future ahead of him? I have no doubt. Absolutely (laughs) no doubt. The kid is, he's so into everything that I think, you know, before I used to worry he'd be a forever baby living with us. And now I know it's going to be him wanting to move and us saying, no, please don't go. Like, we want you to stay with us. Harps, if you could write a letter on motherhood, who would it be to and what would you say? Um, I think probably to my younger self or to other parents that are maybe in a similar position that we were in four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just know that it will be okay in the end and that you can't, like I said before, you can't get from a place of deep despair to peace without going through all the emotions in between, you know, the anguish, the the sadness, the anger, um, you know, all those emotions, all those ugly and raw emotions, you've got to go through them. But I promise you, you will get to a place of peace and you will, you will love it. You'll, you'll enjoy it. Life is what we make it. Yeah. Okay. I end the podcast with you finishing three sentences. The first one is, being a mum means? Finding random little love notes from your biggest boy in the most random places. Uh, Also finding odd socks in the most random places. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, since having children, I? I think I wish we'd done more adventurous holidays before the boys were born um, <laughs> because we did all the beach holidays. And now, you know, Britain's like, man, I wish we could hire, hire a motorbike or a quad bike. And I'm like, oh, we should have done all of that before, really, shouldn't we? And done the beach ones after. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I mean, all those beach holidays sat on a sun, sat on a sun lounger with a pina colada in my hand. Those were happy days. No, 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 no sitting at all. No. Digging a hole. So, I'm, yeah, I agree. <laughs> However, it was nice while it lasted. It was nice. It was yeah. nice. And I'm happy when? I'm happiest when I'm with my kids with no distractions and just embracing and living in the moment. Amazing. Harps, thank you so much for coming on and and having a chat. 
you have been absolutely wonderful you know that I think the work that you do is incredible and um you know I think I know how difficult it has been for you to share those rawer moments that you've not done it that much online and um so thank you because I really know that, that that will help other people and the joy that you spread through through everything that you share is just brilliant so thank you so much thank you so much G thank you it's been a pleasure to share parts of our journey that we've not shared before so thank you so much for having me and inviting me and just helping to spread awareness with us thank you small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.